God, with all of our hearts and all of our minds, we do exalt you tonight with everything that's within us, God. And we know that you see the insides of us, you know our souls, you know our minds, you know our thoughts. And you sent Jesus anyway, and we're so thankful for him. God, may you be exalted with the praise of your saints. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, good evening, good evening. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Well, good to see you, Senior High. Did you have a good day today? Good. Good, good, good. It's exciting. Uh, We're in Matthew 6. We'll be reading verses 25 through 34. And the title of my message tonight is, I'm Worried. A message for those who struggle with anxiety, worry, fear, and depression. And so... um, We're going to read God's word and then dig right in. So, thankful that you guys are here tonight. Let's read. Starting verse 25 of Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They they grow and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon... And all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Praise God for the reading and hearing of his word. Amen. Let's pray and uh, ask God to bless it. Father, thanks for your word. It's so good, even just reading it, hearing it. So good for our souls. Thank you, God, for morning devotions and conversations about the word all day today. Thank you for John this morning and Jariah this afternoon. That was a blessing. Just to hear your word, God, is food for our soul. And we thank you. And God, as we dive into this topic of anxiety and worry and fear and depression. God, no doubt this is a dragon of a topic that is pulling many, many people down into suffering that is often secret. 
So God, we pray that you would bring it to the light, Jesus, and that you would bring it to the salvation that you give and the victory that you give through the resurrection power that is in you. And we pray that you would use your word in a great way tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. So the theme for this week, as far as my evening sessions go, is we're going all in for Christ and getting a new identity by God's grace. I have a picture here. I wonder if anybody knows who this guy is. Anybody know who this guy is? Okay, maybe a few. Maybe a few, okay. This is Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin. Okay, we got one. We got two, two people that knew Bobby McFerrin. You guys are really old. Praise God. All right. Bobby McFerrin wrote one of the most beloved anthems of happiness of all time. It was a reggae tune. And it goes a little something like this. Here's a little song I wrote. It, all right, wow, that sounds like a jumbled mess. Stop it right now. You might want to sing it note for note. You guys all know the chorus. Don't what? Be. Right. All right, now you know, right? This is the guy who wrote it. It wasn't Bob Marley. It was this guy right here. Man, we love this song because deep down inside the souls of every person, we want to not worry. We want to be happy. And so we sing this reggae song to ourselves because we hope that if we just sing it enough, maybe it'll be true inside of our lives. Now, in today's society, I've got another picture that we can put up. Especially amongst Gen Zers, right, which is you guys. These things are triggering endorphins in your brain right now because you're like, I really want mine right now. They took it from me for camp. Especially among Gen Z teenagers, anxiety, worry, fear, and depression is a common struggle, and social media complicates. That desire for happiness and joy based on responses that you get with content that you put out on your social media feeds. And so as the studies continue to come in, social studies on all of you guys, I'm a Gen Xer, so I'm kind of like old, right? And then there's like the millennials. Yeah, the millennials. We, we barely recognize your presence, millennials. <laughs> and then we got all these Gen Zers everywhere here. Yeah, Gen Z. Okay. And Gen Z, unlike any other generation before, you've never known a moment without internet. You've never known a moment of life without internet. And because of that, you are literally, there are studies that are telling us that you are spending almost what is equal out to a part-time job requiring dozens and dozens of hours a week, keeping your personal image up to date. And you can have an image here and an image there and a reputation here and there. It has nothing to do with your real life. And the pressure that is on you 
this generation, more than any other generation, is causing a vortex of me-centered living where you are putting so much pressure on yourself that you hardly know that other people are around you at times because this is all we look at. And maybe we're hanging out in our basement playing video games again and we look out and we see our friends post on whatever about some vacation they're taking and you're like, okay, I guess that's cool, you know? And all of a sudden, like, what is now normal is for you to feel the struggle that you don't measure up on some level in ways that previous generations have never experienced before. And some of you, you're not strong enough. Your body doesn't look good enough. You are trying to figure out how to make your image better. And there is this anxiety that is building up inside of you and you don't know what to do about it and it is a silent suffering. Because you're not sure you can open up your mouth for real and talk to somebody for real about how you're doing inside and therefore the struggle stays inside and the anxiety builds. Aren't you glad Jesus talked about this 2,000 years ago? Praise God. Here's the truth from Matthew 6 and all over God's word. Everybody worries. Everybody. And there's not one person in this house tonight that is not struggling on some level with worry, anxiety, fear, and depression. Everybody's fighting it from the most hardened sinner in this room to the most church-going religious saint, every single person is fighting the battle of worry. Now, some worry is good and necessary. I want to say that before we dig in. Some worry, as the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. some worry is good. Paul said, I worry all the time about the good nature of the churches. I'm wondering how the churches are doing. So Paul had an anxiety about that. All right, but most of our worry is sinful and destructive. And that's why Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus, he gives his most famous diatribe on anxiety and worry in the Sermon on the Mount. And he uses the word therefore. Do you see that in verse 25? Therefore, I tell you. Now, every time you're a good Bible student, you see the word therefore and you say what the therefore is therefore, right? So you go back. And you see, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Jesus is telling us, you can't be worried about money, whether or not you have it or not, or whether you're serving or not. You can't do that and serve God at the same time. You can't do that. Therefore, let me tell you about worry. So, will worrying about money send me to hell? Maybe. It's not really about money per se. It's about making money the center of your world. Worrying about it all the time. Checking the stock market every day on your phone. Right? Say, what, what's going on with my investments? Now, most of you high schoolers don't have investments yet. Praise Jesus. Just trust me. You're saving yourself a lot of stress and worry. It's fine. Stock market's going to do what the stock market's going to do. Amen. Enjoy high school, right? 
But here's the big idea tonight. Jesus wants to address everyone in this room who is struggling with fear, worry, anxiety, and depression. Jesus doesn't want his people to be anxious. He doesn't want his people to be anxious. He doesn't want his followers to be characterized by anxiety and worry like the world. He wants them to be different and free of care. So he doesn't want us to be anxious. Where am I getting that? Verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Do you see that? That is a command from Jesus. That is an imperative. That is not a suggestion. This is not a good idea. This is a command from Christ saying, don't be anxious. And then in verse 31, he says, don't be anxious, saying, what will we eat or what shall we drink? And then in verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Jesus doesn't want his people to be anxious. He spent way too much energy and blood on the cross, and he spent way too much um, of his time for you to believe in him and live your life in worry and fear. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to look at two crippling characteristics of worry and anxiety, and then we'll see that we need to take our worried and crippled hearts to Jesus. So crippling characteristic number one in this passage is this, I'm worried about me. I'm worried about me, verses 25 through 30. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you'll drink about your body, what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So you see the word anxious in verse 25. The word anxious, it, it, it just, it comes with anxiety and it's this, uh, the sense of it is it's an underlying nervousness about what might be out there, right? It's like, ooh, what, what could happen to me? Like the first time you get on a roller coaster, can I get an Amen. What's going to happen? I am going to die in five seconds, right? When you feel that. Like that's anxiety. You feel it inside. And you're, you're, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what might be, but you know something is coming. My counseling pastor, Andy, he said this. He said, anxiety can be cascading thoughts that eventually try to overwhelm you. Okay, cascading thoughts like water coming onto your brain and into your heart over and over and over with the goal of overwhelming you. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a, heart, in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Jesus said in the parable of the soils in Matthew 13, 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. What Jesus was saying in the parable of the soils is he's saying, look, if you hear the word of God and you're, you're conquered with worry, it's like thorny ground. It comes up and the worries of this world choke the word. So you can hear the sermon. You can hear your counselor talking to you. You can hear your best friend. You can, you can get a text about the Bible. But if you are worried and anxious in your heart, you are not hearing anything that is being said. Have you ever been there before? Where you just like, it's like, bah, 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 bah. it's like Charlie Brown's teacher everywhere, right? 
where you, where you just cannot hear. People are communicating with you, but you are full of anxiety and you're like, yada, 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 yada. I have no idea what you're saying. Anxiety can be very emotional, which means emotions, they respond faster than the brain, which means you can react before you think. Have you ever done that before? <laughs> Some of you did it today, and it was epic, and you wish you, I wish I could have gotten a photo or video of it, right? Where you just react first, right? And then you think second, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have reacted like that. Okay, this happens a lot because when we're anxious, we respond quickly. So Jesus is trying to reprogram your brain. And by the way, that's what he was trying to do when he came and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's mainly after your mind. Amen. So Jesus is trying to reprogram your process. So I think there's an illustration that we can put up. There's a train here. Okay. Now, if you think of your life as a train, all right, there's a, there's the engine room in the front and there's the caboose in the back. Caboose, that's a funny word, isn't it? It's just fun. So here's your train. Now, most people live their lives on their emotions. All right, now, in the engine room in the front, a lot of people live their lives by putting their emotions in the engine room, and they put their brains in the caboose. You know what that equals out to? Crazy living. If you are living by your emotions in the front of the train, that is going to be a crazy train, and you are not going to know where you're going, how fast you're going. You're not going to like the ride, because emotions make good followers, but terrible leaders. And we use this illustration a lot in our counseling ministry. What you need to do in life, and I think what Jesus is trying to say to us regarding anxiety, is you need to take your brain and put it in the front of the engine room and put your emotions where they belong in the caboose as followers. Because Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about your life. He's going for your mind. You have to have a mentality that says, I believe Jesus, not how I feel right now. So, he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus is bringing in rhetorical questions in verse 25. And he's saying, here's some questions that have an obvious answer. The obvious answer is yes. Is not life more than food? Yes, life is more than food. Is not life, you know, more than, isn't that the uh, body more than clothing? Yes, of course. Which brings me to my next point, Chick-fil-A. Amen. Let's get it up here. Praise God. Praise the Lord for Chick-fil-A. Now, how many of you Chick-fil-A is like your favorite restaurant? Can I get a witness and amen? Give me a Baptist amen. There we go. All right. Chick-fil-A. Now look, Chick-fil-A. When I eat Chick-fil-A, I love Chick-fil-A. Spicy chicken meal, number two. Yeah. Yep. Waffle fries with two Chick-fil-A sauce packets that you have to ask for. Coke Zero. And a my pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Now, when I eat Chick-fil-A, here are my thoughts. <laughs> when I eat Chick-fil-A, I, I have thoughts like this. This 
is what life is all about. This is the pinnacle of my life right now. This is it. You know, like raising kids, having babies, all that. No, Chick-fil-A right now. This is it. Because I think this is like what heaven will be like, right? Chick-fil-A. All right, obviously I say that as a joke. Chick-fil-A is not what life is all about. Because Jesus says so. Is not life more than food? Yes, life is about eternity. It is about God. It is about Christ. It is about eternal life inside of me. It's more than Chick-fil-A. As much as I love Chick-fil-A, life is more than that. It's more than food. And then he says, isn't life and the body more than clothing? The body more than clothing. Now, how much do we obsess about our threads? Oh my. How much do we care about our clothes? Girls, a lot more than boys. Amen? Can I get a girl amen? Yes. Now listen, some of you might dispute that. But every generation has cared about their clothes because clothes serve an essential purpose to keep us warm in the frigid Iowa winters. They're very helpful to have. We love clothes. Now, we obsess over clothing, and Jesus is saying, look, the essentials of life, food and clothing, is not this, this body that you have more than your clothing? Yes, the answer is yes. But every generation struggles with really fleshing this out because we do love our clothes a lot more. We give a lot of time and attention to that stuff. Case in point, I have pictures from the 1980s, the 1990s, and the early 2000s. These are church pictures. Yes. I'm making a point. In the upper left-hand corner, you have a church family from a church directory in the 1980s. Can I get a whoa? Whoa. Okay. The middle picture is a, is a picture of pastors. You can see probably the the middle guy is probably the pastor. He's got his King James Bible here. Everybody's got suits on, probably the deacons and stuff. 1990s church culture. Give me a shout out. I mean, that is it right there. Yeah. And then in the early 2000s, we got a better background for church directory photos. But we have got frosted tips on that boy. <laughs> All right, you can get that off. You can get that off. Now listen, that's pretty funny, right? Because this is, this is what clothing is destined for. Clothing is destined to be made fun of by the next generation. Destined to happen. Every young Generation Z, you think Generation X people dress weird. Amen. That's probably how you think. What is Jesus saying? In his wisdom and in his beautiful, supernatural godness, he is saying, don't worry about the essentials of life. Life is more than food. Your body is more than clothing. You were made for eternity. You were made to know God. 
You were made to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You were made to look at the cross. You were made to see that life is so much bigger than the the daily urgent things that pull your attention away from God. And Jesus continues with a couple more illustrations. One about birds and one about lilies in verse 26 and 27, 28. He talks about the birds... And he says, the birds neither sow nor reap. They don't gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says, what about the lilies? Consider those lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Now, Jesus isn't knocking birds and lilies down to the ground. What he's doing is he's putting them in perspective, and he's saying, birds are not like farmers. I'm from Iowa. I think farmers are the most amazing people on the planet. Can I get an amen? I just do. Farmers are so amazing. They're the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. My dad was one. My father-in-law is one. And Jesus is saying birds are not like farmers. They're not hanging out. They're not hoarding stuff in the trees, building their big houses in the trees, checking the stocks and the investments, checking you know, the, the tractor to make sure it's got gas. Birds don't do that. Birds fly and they do their best to make a living, but God provides for them. What about the lilies of the field? Jesus is saying that flowers don't work a job. They don't have minds or wills, and yet God makes these lilies absolutely beautiful. So beautiful that all the old people in my church want one every Easter. Pastor, I just want a lily for Easter. Okay, you can have one. What is God saying? He's saying if God clothes and adorns the lilies of the field, are you who are an eternal soul created in the image of God, are you not more valuable? And then Jesus goes on and he says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your span of life? For all your worry, for all your anxiety about your own life and you, What has all your anxiety produced practically? Has it added even one hour to your life? No. All anxiety has done is take away from your life. All it's done is take away minutes and hours of your life where you fret about things that you're not in control over. So you might be saying, I'm worried about me tonight. I am worried about me. And Jesus is saying, God has got you, and I have got you, and I will not let you go if you have your faith and trust in me. You don't need to worry about you. I've got you right now. And some of you, you walked into this building right here with the weight of the world on your shoulders. There's a lot of stuff going on in your life. You're wondering, how in the world am I going to get through this level of anxiety and worry. I think Jesus is saying to you tonight, just trust me. I've got it. If I take care of all these other things, I can take care of you. Crippling characteristic number two is I'm worried about my future. Verses 31 through 34, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
Verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. What shall we eat? That's future tense. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? You know, the future is what we tend to worry a lot about, is it not? We don't necessarily worry about the present unless we look at our meal and we say, ew, I don't want to eat that, I'm worried. That's, that's present tense worrying, but most of the time it's future tense worrying. And here's some fun questions and then some serious ones. You might be asking, will I get asked to the dance this fall? Maybe. Some of you are asking, Will I ever have enough money? All the counselors, pastors, and adults can answer that question right now. <laughs> the answer is a clear no. You will never have all the money you want, right? Some of you might be asking questions like this. What college will I end up at? Will I ever make any real friends? Some of the questions we've gotten within our counseling ministry in our church is, Will I give in to my suicidal thoughts that I'm having right now? Some are asking, will I cut my body? Is that what I'm going to do next in order to express what is going on in my mind? Will I try those drugs? Will I get cancer like my relative got cancer? Will that happen to me? What happens if that family member passes away? You know, that one family member, that I really don't know. They're the anchor of our family. What's going to happen? Jesus is saying when we look to the future, we, we tend to worry about that future. And Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about it. Don't be anxious about your future. Even though the questions come, you have to combat those things with God's truth. Jesus says the Gentiles seek after these things. The Gentiles seek after the things of the future. You know, people who don't know Jesus are seeking for their future provision all the time, and they will do whatever it takes to make sure that they are secure. No matter what happens to everybody else, people who don't know Jesus have one single-minded passion in, in their mind. I will outwit, I will outwork, I will outlast everybody around me, and as long as I'm okay, everybody else can just figure it out. It happened on the Titanic when that big boat went into the ocean. Tragically, there were many rescue boats that were half-filled or less because people were self-seeking. The Gentiles seek after that. Now, understand, young camper, that there will be people in your life who will elbow you and push you out of the way to get what they want. And it won't be a good feeling in life because they're just concerned about getting theirs. It's a lot like Worldly Wise Man. Do you guys know Worldly Wise Man and the story of the Pilgrim's Progress? I think we have his picture here. He's talking with Pilgrim. If you remember this story, this guy shows up. Let me tell you about my town, man. You need to go here. we got all the stuff that you need. Look at how well-dressed I am. Look at all the things I've got. You need to go where I am from. And this guy has one agenda. 
to make sure that he's secure. And he doesn't care about pilgrim. He doesn't care about the burden on his back. He doesn't care about his salvation. Worldly wise man wants to please himself. And please know that the Gentiles will seek after all these things in life. And you will get elbowed out of the way by them. And when that happens to you, you need to not be anxious about that. You don't need to be worried about bitterness and anger and, oh, I'm going to get back at those people who don't know Christ that treated me badly. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Jesus reminds the anxious heart that there's a Father in heaven who is looking out for them. Jesus is saying that God knows you. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you need. He knows how much you need. He knows when you need it. And he will be faithful to deliver you. So when someone's trying to box you out and make sure that their future is secure, we as Christians, we have the ultimate answer to that. I have a father who sees me and loves me. And somehow, in some way, that father who loves me is going to take care of me. You know what it is about God. I've told my church this all the time. God is never late. Amen? He's never late. He's rarely early. Can I get a witness? He's rarely early. But God is always on time. And he will, he will provide for you. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, all these essential things. So don't worry about your future. And the final point tonight is this, I need to take my crippled and worried soul to Jesus. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus tells us that those who are struggling with anxiety are to seek God, seek his kingdom first, make, it his, make God your first priority. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 22, 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. This is the great and first commandment. You know, Jesus, you know what he's really good at? If you seek his face and you seek God with your anxiety, he's really good at taking away anxiety. Can I get an amen? Jesus is really good at this. How do I know that? Because... The Bible tells me so. How about the 12 disciples? Jesus comes in, turns their life around. Peter, James, John, the crew, Simon the zealot. What about the demoniac? How about that guy? He had some problems. He had some anxieties, I'm sure. He was demon-possessed. Jesus went and found him. How about the Roman centurion? Jesus ceased his anxiety. How about Mary and Martha in John chapter 8? Lord, if you would have just been there, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus healed their anxiety. How about the woman at the well in John 4? I don't have a husband. That's right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're sleeping with right now is not your husband. Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Yes, ma'am, I am. Jesus took the anxiety of her shame away. So much so that she ran into a town where she should feel some anxiety, right? Can I get a small town amen? Come on now. You know how small towns work. 
And she goes back into that little town and she says, come see the man who told me everything about me. Is this not the Christ? And everybody says, if, if, if someone told her all about her and brought her to a place where she is free from her anxiety to preach and to share the gospel, maybe this is worth looking into. And what about the synagogue leader with the sick daughter? Lord, if you would just come. My daughter's on the verge of death. And as they're walking there, the woman with the bleeding problem, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. I'll take all these years of frustration and anxiety and worry and fear, and I just want to, I just want to touch Jesus. Jesus has, I mean, this is just a few examples in the Gospels. And Jesus has been doing it for 2,000 years since he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And he is still taking anxiety away from people. Can I get an amen? He's still doing it. The dragon of, of, of anxiety in your life, God wants to take it. And Jesus has the authority to take it from you. Your psychiatrist doesn't have the authority to take it. Your therapist doesn't have the authority to take your anxiety. Your meds do not have the authority to take your anxiety from you. And I'm not anti-medication, okay? I'm just saying there's only one who can take the anxiety inside of you and pull it out and give you the victory through the authority of the resurrection from the dead. So I need to take my crippled and worried soul to Jesus because he seems to be really good at taking anxiety away from people. So we need to seek God. Secondly, we need to seek prayer. 1 Peter chapter 5, 6 and 7, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Prayer is casting Throwing, literally throwing all your anxiety on God because he cares for you and you do that in prayer. When you can't change somebody else, you know what you can do? You can pray for them. When you can't control the anxiety that's going on in your own heart, you know what you can do? Throw it on Jesus. And you got to do that not once, but you got to do that daily. Prayer is a massive Reality to getting over your anxiety. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not underestimate prayer. And I would encourage you tonight, if you're struggling with anxiety and fear and worry and depression, I would encourage you tonight, tonight, Pray with one of your counselors. Do not let anxiety just sit inside of your mind. Get it out. And, and if tomorrow you're, you wake up struggling with anxiety and fear, get it out tomorrow morning. Get with your counselor tonight and say, I just need to pray. I just need to give this anxiety to God. Would you pray with me? And if you've got a counselor who says no, I don't know, send them to Phil. <laughs> you know, like, you got a bad counselor, just send them to Phil. Say, I asked my counselor to pray for me, and he wouldn't. Phil will take care of him. That'd be great. Finally, 
Seek God, seek prayer, and then seek counsel. Seek counsel. Find people who can counsel you. Find trusted advisors that you can talk to about your, your fear and your worry. What's, get to the heart of it. Get to the heart of what's going on. Find biblically qualified people who can relate to you and lead you and walk you through the promises of God so that you can begin to get a glimmer of hope and victory. So Jesus, he wants to address everybody here tonight who's struggling with fear, anxiety, and depression. He doesn't want his people to be anxious. Specifically, as we close, if I could just talk to the ladies because I have, I'm a daddy of daughters. You know, I got five girls. Amen. Praise Jesus. Ladies, specifically with your minds, so much going on. Image, beauty, height, weight, dimensions, all those things that you worry about. Reputation, relationships. Ladies, I just want to tell you, God loves you. The Lord loves you with an everlasting love. And he created you to be just exactly how you are. He created you to know Jesus, to be saved. And I know that your mind might say, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And I just want to tell you, Jesus says you're enough. So you're enough. Amen. Ladies, Jesus says you're enough. And I just want to lift you up tonight with encouragement, with your anxiety, with your wrestling match, with this fear that's inside of you. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Give him your heart tonight. As we close, Psalm 94, 19 says, my, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, you and your comfort delight my soul. That comfort in Psalm 94 has a name and his name is Jesus. It's time to go all in with Jesus and get a new identity. You need a new identity. You need a new mind. You are a son and daughter of God if you have believed in Christ alone. And you're a son and daughter that trusts. May God make it true. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in Matthew 6. God, it's a big topic. We just flew through the essential truths Holy Spirit, I pray that you might minister to every young man and young woman who is wrestling through this idea of image and fear and worry and anxiety. God, I pray that they might make connections tonight with what is bothering them, with the sin that is, that is so easily pulling them within the vortex of, of just self and pride and sin and they, may they just say no to all that tonight. God, may they trust you for who you made them to be. And God, in Christ, I pray that you would help them not worry about their future, but to trust in you. 
Jesus, you died, you were buried, you rose again, and you ascended into heaven in order to take the anxiety that we feel away from us. Jesus, you took all of that upon your beautiful, perfect self on the cross. So Lord, I pray that there might be chains of imprisonment that would fall right now. Lord, I pray that prison cells would open and that, Lord, young men and young women would feel free from this anxiety that they have struggled with, that they are struggling with, and God, may you get the glory and the victory tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.